coming up on the Rip Body Podcast. The problem with cutting out sugar is everything we eat becomes sugar in the blood as blood sugar, glucose in the blood, whatever. So this idea of cutting out sugar doesn't really make sense. And they say, oh, replace it with honey or agave or they're all sugar. They're all pure sugar. And <laughs> they have a very similar impact to your blood sugar as normal sugar perhaps even more because you're shoveling it down because it's healthy. Welcome to the show. I'm Andy Morgan and on the Rip Body Podcast, we teach how to achieve long-term physique transformation. In this episode, Dr. Emil and I discuss food intolerances, gluten, and how much sugar we should be eating. Now, this was a fun one. Enjoy. Am I intolerant to gluten? You must have had this question quite a lot. Yeah. I know that I don't get this question a lot. But I work with a different crowd and I avoid human interactions and working with people I meet like the plague because I tend to avoid all the painful questions that way because people tend to throw questions at you just randomly when they meet you and realize what you do. So, yeah. Yeah. What do you say when people are pondering this question? Are they intolerant to gluten? So this is one of those slightly sensitive medical questions that we're going to handle bluntly and insensitively. But for, for the vast majority of people, statistically, they're not intolerant to gluten. And, and what actually happens is that they eat clean, whatever that means. And then on the weekend, they have their cheat day and they consume 3000 calories of Domino's and a load of ice cream. And then the next day they're shitting and, and feel bloated and they're like, I'm intolerant to gluten. And I'm like, ah, it might be the 3000 calories of Domino's pizza that you've eaten and the massive amounts of cheese and everything that is causing the intolerance. And to go from a scientific point of view, a lot of this stuff requires enzymes to digest. And if you're restricting for a while, the enzymes downregulate and then suddenly you overload them. And technically then, yes, you are intolerant to a few things. But it's just the extremes which is causing it rather than anything else. So for the vast majority of people, I would say probably not. Celiac disease is actually a, a sensitivity or allergy to gluten. And then there's this kind of small gray area of this intolerance, which we don't really know a huge amount about. And I don't really want to get hugely into it. But from my point of view, because I'm averse to conflict, I just say, look, if you want to avoid it, be my guest. It's probably dose dependent in that little gray area. So don't worry too much about it. And one very important point, the gluten isn't stopping you from losing weight. That's very important. You're not struggling to lose weight because of this gluten thing. If anything, being intolerant to it helps. And that's not a tactic, but yeah, that that's a convoluted caveated answer. But for most of us, we're probably I just wanted to I just wanted to hear you say that pizza comment again because that that made me laugh a lot before we were recording. <laughs> <laughs> and what you've said there about the enzymes, if we say it more simply, your body gets used to what we eat, general, very generally speaking. And you're going to tell me if I'm full of uh, um, nonsense in a moment, Emil, Doctor Emil, I should say. And therefore, if you suddenly change things then your body may act funny. And so let's say that you've decided that you are going to cut out dairy and see how you feel. And you maybe you 
didn't notice much of a change perhaps you lost a bit of weight because now you're not eating cheese every night and, ice and cream, yeah. i don't know ice cream and you're now thinking ah oh, i was lactose intolerant and so you decide to now you have your oat milk lattes and whatever and then you go back to you you read an article in the daily mail or whatever a newspaper of your choice and it tells you no, no actually dairy is really good and important for bone health so you decide you're going to crack on and put a load of dairy back into your diet if that sends you to the toilet that's not really a surprise but i think a lot of people they then suddenly decide that they are lactose yeah. intolerant it can start like, a actually, narrative yeah, yeah. It's okay. You are in that particular moment lactose intolerant, but you, you just need to add things in a little more slowly. If you suddenly add in a whole bunch of fiber um, because yeah. you decide that you're now going to eat clean, so you start eating a load more vegetables, yeah. that's you're going to start pooping a lot more and you might have stomach upset because of that. And the opposite is true as well if you suddenly cut out vegetables. Any other examples you can think of there? Those are two common ones. Th those are literally the two common ones. And and the fiber one is, is interesting because people think vegetables are good and more is better. And actually, at some point, the body's like, this is a bit much for me and I'm going to get bloated. So you need to be gradual and gentle with it. And your example for the lactose was a, a good one. But more, what more realistically happens is that people cut out these foods like dairy, sugar, bad foods by whatever random category they've decided. And then they binge because they can't hold this level of silly restriction for long enough. So then they eat a pile of ice cream and then they decide that either they're lactose intolerant or it's the sugar or whatever magical pixie dust is causing the problems today. And actually it's just the point that you've overloaded the enzymes that are present, whether they've been downregulated, whether there's fewer of them because you've been restricting or whether you've just eaten so much ice cream that you've overloaded them regardless and my story there is I, when I did strongman, I bulked up to 142 kilos. And one way I did that was by drinking ridiculous amounts of uh, whole milk. And I. So this is 142 kilos. That's about 320, yeah, pounds, like 310 pounds, something like that. And you bulked up from something like 250 pounds. Something so like that. So you added about 60 pounds of body weight there, just for context for people who didn't catch the earlier part. Exactly, exactly. And I was drinking six pints of milk a day. Yep, I was lactose intolerant. I'm not normally lactose intolerant, but when you throw so much lactose at the enzymes, they get overloaded and you make yourself intolerant. And, and that's just how it works. Now, we had something else on the agenda today, but I'm going to dump the scale weight one. And can we roll into the question of sugar then, as you mentioned it? Because people have this idea that they should avoid sugar. You're cringing like, but Emil, Dr. Emil, should I not be avoiding sugar? I am drinking a delicious cup of tea with a spoon and a half of sugar. I've had people, I've had my cousin actually say, oh, you don't have sugar in your tea, do you? Should I be avoiding it? Am I ruining my life? So here's a little tool you can use to detect bullshit. If there is an absolute statement, it's probably <laughs> bullshit. 
So if someone says cut out processed food, it's bullshit. If someone says eat clean, it's bullshit. If someone says cut out sugar, it's bullshit. Because absolute statements in science, we used to have this technique in medical exams. They were multiple choice. And if one of them was an absolute statement, it was wrong. You could rule it out. You didn't have to know anything. It was just like exam <laughs> tactics because they don't really exist in science. And actually, you can't prove anything in science. It isn't about proving things. Science is about weights of evidence either way. So it's all shades of gray. So straight off the mark, we can start with that. And the problem with cutting out sugar is everything we eat becomes sugar in the blood as blood sugar, glucose in the blood, whatever. So this idea of cutting out sugar doesn't really make sense. And they say, oh, replace it with honey or agave or they're all sugar. They're all pure sugar. And <laughs> they have a very similar impact to your blood sugar as normal sugar perhaps even more because you're shoveling it down because it's healthy. And then they say, oh, no, but it's processed sugar. Okay, what does processing even mean? It doesn't mean anything. Or it, it does have a meaning, but it, it's not a meaning which is bad or good. And yes, you shouldn't be shoveling down loads of sugar. You shouldn't be eating loads of ice cream all the time. But cutting out sugar just isn't, is, it isn't a thing. Like eat more whole foods, great, positive. Eat more vegetables, eat more protein, great. These are good things to do. Cut out sugar, it just doesn't work. And I actually posted something on Instagram. I commented on, on someone else's post, which I never, ever do. And it was an entrepreneur and they were like, I, I'm going to get on a health, I'm going to get on a health drive and I'm going to do these things, anything to add. And one of the things was cut out processed food. And I said, one thing to add is maybe get some sunshine in the morning. I'm a fan of that. I like it. But the other thing, maybe just don't cut out processed food, maybe just reduce it. And, and the, the hate, for, I had five or six comments. And because I haven't posted on Instagram for weeks, I just had all these notifications. <laughs> and I was like, Who, why have I, 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 don't, I haven't posted? Why is anyone notifying me? And these people are like, you're weak. What are you doing? Like people this successful, are, they have discipline and all this stuff. And I was like. Because people who are not successful financially or aren't entrepreneurs do not have discipline. I see yeah that makes total sense there's not opinions held by tech bros man they are quite something eh i, I remembered why and i didn't we, argue we... on the internet <laughs> <laughs> and also why you let your customers or rather we actually we both we let our customers come to us rather than we engineer our business in a way where our customers come to us when they're ready and we do that by putting out what we hope to be we think is quality and useful content because if, if you go the other way like there are so many strongly held beliefs yeah it's just rough yeah and, and i don't want to fight them head on because there's no point because when someone is embedded in a belief what happens is and i don't know how much we want to go into this but i could rant about this forever someone will read Please. a book about any diet pick pick it at random and they will be totally sold mm. on that concept now, yep. the goal of a book is for that to happen, for you to become indoctrinated into a single idea. And then once you start, and this is random, you'll pick a book at random, you'll be given it for Christmas, or you'll pick it out at random from a bookshelf, or you'll hear about it from your favorite random entrepreneur celebrity. Yeah, and it's, pick up a book. it's top 10 in the, in the exactly. health category, and it's the nutrition book, great. And this is what you're going to do. And you read it, and you're convinced, no shit, that's the point. And then you think, I'm going to do some research. <laughs> And you get another book with from the same topic and you're like, I'm, I'm sold. And you go to Google, is keto good for you? And then it'll be like all this positive reinforcement. You'll follow loads of keto people and you're just in this echo chamber. Now, 
my suggestion, and this is what I do because I need to keep up to date, is buy a book from each different diet category. And what you'll notice is everyone you read, you're totally convinced. You'll read the carnivore book and you'll be like, oh, this is freaking amazing. Anti-inflammatory cures cancer, longevity, amazing. Then read the vegan book, anti-inflammatory cures cancer, amazing for building muscle. And you're like, fuck, these are like polar opposite diets with the exact same claims and both have loads of science and references. And I'm going to read another book about keto or fasting or whatever else. They're all anti-inflammatory, cure cancer, live forever. There must be something awry here if they all have the exact same claims with vastly different diets. No, you're just you, a doctor, and you've got your head in your too close to the books to see the big picture. Can I tell you the secret? Tell me the secret. <laughs> you need to be the vegan carnivore a ketophile who intermittently fasts thrice a day. So we were touching on this before we, we got onto this topic. I, I use the power of anecdotes to bypass science. And so with all these keto, you know, vegan diets, they're all, they, are, they are what they are. They're all frameworks built atop the fundamentals being if you eat too much, you'll gain body fat. Protein is probably good for you. Vegetables are probably good for you. These are the, the truths that everything else is built on. Even the carnivore MD guy is now open to eating certain fruits which it's nice that he softened his position, uh, but... Oh, oh, good. So, like, he doesn't like scurvy after all, then? Oh, that That's nice. Did I, I, some of his teeth start falling out? I'm like, not, and, and I'm that's not what, commencing or getting into intimate gonna... arguments, but I'm just observing uh, what I'm seeing. And, so and to be fair, I'm grateful that he's softened his position because sure. the worst thing is when someone battens down the hatches despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary. So we'll, we'll see where that goes, but I'm, I like that. So instead of me trying to fight science with science because to, to perhaps lay people it's all science they don't know the difference whereas that you know one group is perhaps cherry picking data i'm looking at the total body of evidence and making my decision but it seems the same if you don't understand so what i use is anecdotes so i did keto for five weeks i did finger prick ketone blood testing i did blood tests before and after i went the full hog so when I discuss keto with someone, it's not, look, the science says it's shit. Don't be an idiot. It's keto, super interesting. How did it go for you? Okay, so I did keto. This is what I found. I actually kept my calories the same. I didn't lose any weight. I actually found it quite fun eating tuna for breakfast, and then it got a bit boring. I had a protein, and it didn't take me out of ketosis, and I really like ice cream, so I stopped. And it's I'm not throwing evidence at them. I'm just saying... This is what happened for me. So all these things which you think are the case for keto, I don't think they are for me. And actually, I can achieve the same results and better and still eat ice cream. Maybe we can try I've that. I've watched you do that. I've watched you do that. It's quite powerful, isn't it? Just It's, it's the power of stories. I remember sitting in a relative's house. I just got back from Japan and I'd said hello to my relatives. And then the one pulls me aside and it's like, Andrew. I need to talk to you about your mom, right? And, um, and my mom's been sick since I was like 11. She's had a, she's had Emmy or chronic fatigue syndrome, which back then wasn't recognized as a thing. And uh, uh, there's, there's definitely a psychosomatic element to this. It means that my mom is essentially, she's someone who sometimes she's got a bad battery, but some days her battery will be fine. And then some days it will just be on 1% the whole time to the point where I can't get out of bed. 
very sad to see, frankly. And it's been like that for or 25 years. Wow. Yeah, me, 25. Yeah, yeah, like many years. And my mum used to be like the, the typical, like what you imagine of an 80s cardio, let's go lady. She was one of those. So just went from that to... Whew, and so anyway, that's the background context, 26, seven years of that. Oh, Andrew, I need to talk to you. And my mum had been through a particularly tired phase. And so she hadn't been eating either. And so she had lost quite a lot of weight. I need to talk to you about your mum. It's, it's the inflammation. It's her diet. That's what's causing the ME. It's what's making her sick. Have you heard of Dr. Jason Fung? And I'm like, no, who's this guy? And I didn't know who that was at the time. And I, but she's telling me like, oh, you've got to read this book. She needs to cut out the carbs. It's the gluten that is, I think that's his thing. It's fasting the gluten as well. that's caused your mum's ME. Okay, so if you fast and cut out gluten, live forever, definitely will cure your ME of nearly three decades. And I was, but she was prepared to do a full-on intervention and expected me to do it to my 70 let's say 70 year old mum but that like she was absolutely convinced this would be a, this is a big thing but like she was that convinced that is how powerful it can be when you've read a book and you're well-meaning but then you get sucked into this echo chamber of unfortunately charlatans bad scientists yeah. you could imagine my face i was just like just to add to that exact anecdote and and the point with what andy was saying is awesome that's one book now read all of them and you'll find very similar claims across the board and when you distill the fundamentals that universally apply it'll be don't eat too much vegetables protein and largely whole foods yeah yeah sorry my, my point just before you go on like my point there was like my mum needs to eat something right now yeah she doesn't need to be told that you can't have your toast in the morning and you can't have what was it yeah. oh and you need to fast like she's already not eating enough she's yeah, lost yeah. like 25 pounds since i last saw her yeah probably actually more i think it's probably a couple of stone like about 30 pounds and and i was just totally gobsmacked at this logic that was being thrown at me and i was just i was I was a little bit upset, but I learned to laugh about it after purely because I had the discussion with my mum and she wasn't follow that advice. So I felt safe because it really, it was a health risk, yeah, frankly, yeah. at that point. Sorry, you were going to say building on that? Yeah. But so building on that, you talk about anti-inflammatory foods and inflammation, and this is one of these kind of hot words which go around. And look, I've no doubt that inflammation is a key cause of issues within the human body. I'm also sure that it's a very multifactorial thing there's lots of things which go into it as opposed to just not eating anti-inflammatory foods and i'm just i've literally got a book in front of me here which i've been reading i quite like it by deepak chopra and it has a list of anti-inflammatory foods and i'll go through the list fatty fish berries tree nuts seeds whole grains dark, dark leafy greens tempeh mushrooms low-fat dairy products peppers tomatoes beets okay cool don't eat too much, eat vegetables, eat protein, eat mainly whole foods. That covers anti-inflammatory. So these things, all these diets and things will use all this magic stories, buzzwords, control your insulin hormones, blah, blah, blah. But the universal fundamentals apply 
and you don't need to name it. You don't need to add a, you know, a sparkle to it or glitter to it for it to work. And when people come to me and they say, I'm confused, vegans say this, keto say this, Dr. Fung says this, I'm saying that's because you're just reading random books and following what they're doing 100% instead of <clears throat> taking the wealth of the data, stepping back and applying the fundamental principles. Yeah, but that's too much for me to do. No shit, go find a professional. And it's like, this is literally what I do. This is what Andy does. This is our job. We're not being paid by big pharma to shill. I don't even know what we're shilling specifically. Uh, health and health uh, <laughs> through, through through chasing uh, physique because sometimes you get people on a hook with a shallow goal which is look better and then they feel better and then they yeah. want to continue and you end up changing their lives and that changes the lives of the people around them so we shall we sell shallow outcomes in order to get people amazing health outcomes that's one tactic within the behavior psychology space mm -hmm. and sure we're, we're trying to get you results essentially anyway i can rant about this forever but ultimately i have nothing against anti-inflammatory foods i have nothing against any of these diets there's just a better way that actually works and just to confirm deepak chopra he was saying that those are good foods to be eating yeah or that yeah yeah okay right yeah yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah okay. that, that like Vegetables Sorry, the, the way I heard you say it is don't eat those. And I was like, no, what? No, no, no. I was like, so I must have misheard you. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. no, so basically list, listed off a bunch of fruits and, and vegetables and yeah, okay. And fish and great. Turkey, yeah. Sources of, of what we would consider healthy foods. Yeah. So sugar, back to that specific yeah, point. Should someone be avoiding sugar? No, I think this is a wonderful little rabbit hole, hole that we went down. But should we be avoiding sugar? What I, I can share my guidelines that I give to clients. And then if you want to share yours, see if we have any kind of differences. Don't get my clients to focus on sugar. I get them to focus on building meals around their main lean protein source, their main starchy carbohydrate be that potato is a really good one filling if people like potatoes especially when dieting pasta bread rice perhaps noodles if they like those and then vegetables with every meal a piece of fruit if that's not yeah preferably a piece of fruit along with those meals and then where the sugar comes in is more in terms of the additions if the space in the calorie budget and there's a key thing, if there's space in the calorie budget, because when you're hitting, when you're dieting and you're trying to hit your protein number, and then you're trying to hit your carb number predominantly from those starchy carbs, which are going to keep you feeling full along with your vegetables, then you're not going to have that much room for those sugary treats. And sure, you could sacrifice some of your starchy carb or vegetable calorie allotment um, for those sugary snacks, but you're soon going to find that they're not going to keep you feeling very full. So people naturally tend to come away from those. And so I say, look, if, if you have space in your calorie budget to fit in some treats, do it. That's fine. As a rough heuristic, try not to go for more than 15% of your calories from quote-unquote treaty snacky foods and then when bulking that's a, a different beast we're no longer concerned with nutrient deficiencies as long as people don't eat like assholes and then 20 percent, let's say just rough number 
you're absolutely fine. Again, that's from sweetie, snacky foods. And those sweetie, snacky foods, they're not going to be pure sugar. They're going to be a mix of like fats and sugars, generally, typically speaking. I don't actually give them a specific number because it doesn't matter. What matters is that they have a diet that is filled with nutritious, filling foods that are going to support their goals. Yourself? Yeah. The key here is the goal, which wants to be achieved. And that's usually maybe an aesthetic goal to start with. And then the overall goal, which is health. And the benefit of cutting out sugar to zero from having a little bit is negligible from a health or aesthetic point of view. However, from a behavior change point of view, from a psycho psychology point of view, the difference between zero and a little bit is like night and day. And if any of you have ever tried an extreme restrictive diet, how is that going for you? Great. Maybe we can stop doing those now and try a different way. So this is why cutting out sugar doesn't work. And people will call you weak and then they'll do it themselves and then they'll fail and then they'll disappear into the, the bushes and you'll never hear from them again. So I, I approach it with clients, uh, Jedi mind trick style. And I say, okay, first week, we're just going to track. I'm not even going to give you a goal. But because they're super pumped and motivated, usually they'll, and they're tracking, they'll eat a very sensible amount of food and it'll be very majority healthy. And they'll start moving in the right direction. Then I can start to give them calorie guidance. And then I say, maybe consider having protein and vegetables each time you eat or each meal. No guidance beyond that. And they start to do that. And then what usually happens, to be honest, because at the start of a program, people are super pumped and motivated. They go too clean. And I say, maybe you want to consider having a dessert or something now and again. What are you, are you craving anything? Is there anything you usually enjoy? And I actually, in, I actually force them to have something interesting, something mm. sugary, because I know that if they do this for six months, they might be able to from a willpower perspective. But the initial weight loss is not the goal here. The goal is lifelong sustainability. And I'm constantly coaching with a soft landing approach, thinking once they get to their goal, which will be inevitable, I want them to land gently. So I'm then introducing something. Now, if people go the other way and are eating slightly too much of junky stuff, sugary stuff, then our second step after we're controlling calories is to optimize for enjoyment, hunger, and energy levels. And if they say, I'm losing weight, but I'm hungry all the time, I just say, maybe look, if you ate things which fill you up more, then you're not going to be as hungry. Your energy is going to be better. Maybe we can try that. Well, okay, how, what does that look like? Protein is very satiating. It fills you up. Vegetables fill you up. Maybe try, try those. And then the other thing to consider on the other side of that is when optimizing for enjoyment. When you have a cookie, it tastes amazing. The second cookie, okay, not bad. The third cookie, you can barely taste it. Mm -hmm. And once you shine a light on this and I say, look, I want to optimize your diet for enjoyment. So I want you to have one cookie multiple times throughout the week. So you're maximally enjoying that one cookie instead of eating seven in one go and only enjoying the first two. And once essentially I want the decision to come from them not to eat seven cookies rather than me saying, don't eat seven cookies. Because then they're saying, I feel really good when I eat more vegetables and protein. And actually, I really enjoy having one cookie four times a week. This is, this is what I want to do. And I'm like, amazing. I can step away. It's on you. Keep going for six months and I'll see you 
with a six pack. And that's ultimately my goal because that will then be sustained long-term when it's not an external force saying, do this. It's them being like, this benefits me and serves me. Beautiful. So there's your answer. How much sugar is too much? It depends. Yeah, classic. How much is too little? (laughs) Zero. Probably don't cut it out. So the takeaway from this episode for me is that you consider me and the listeners lay people because you're a doctor. (laughs) Yeah, you said that. Lay person. Super offended. Look, if you would like Emil back on the pod, please send me an email. That's a podcast at ripbody.com. Alternatively, if you'd like him kicked off, I'm also taking emails. If you have any harsh words for his attitude, that means looking down upon um, us, then I'm absolutely open to that. And I will share it with him bluntly with a smile on my face, perhaps live on the next episode. And also, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer um, on the pod, Please send them in. Once again, that's podcast at ripbody.com. Any uh, closing words? Remember, being defensive will not suit you here, Emil. I consider you a lay person because I have bigger biceps than you. It's nothing to do with a medical degree. (laughs) Love it. And on that note, peace. Thank you for listening. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the pod, email it to podcast at ripbody.com. I'll be manning that email address. If you'd like to follow Emil, he's Dr. Emil Official on Instagram. That's uh, D-R-E-M-I-L Official. And I'm Andy underscore Ripbody. If you're frustrated with your progress, often the answer lies in dialing in your nutrition. And if you'd like to learn how to do that, go to ripbody.com and enter your email address. When you subscribe, you'll get my free nutrition setup guide. That's the third edition of it. I've been rewriting and rewriting it over the last seven years now. You'll get that guide along with my seven-day email course, guiding you through the most common mistakes that people make. It's completely free, and I answer questions daily if you ask me in the comments on the website. I've been doing that for, well, since 2011. 20,000 answers, something like that. Anyway, all right, until next time. See you then. Peace.